Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, welcome to the IGN UK podcast, the only place in the world where me, as a middle-aged man, can talk to 17-year-old boys without fear of getting done over by the police. With me today, the lovely Luke Kamali. Hello. And the even lovelier Christopher Tilly. I just think I just did a bit sick in my mouth. <laughs> I was not expecting that, Stu. Where did that come from? I don't know, from the deepest, darkest recesses oh, of my God. mind. How's everybody been? You've, you've managed to get into work all right this week, because here in London we've had a, ter- a terrible tube strike, which meant that it's just been a nightmare for everybody. And by everybody, I mean me, because you, yeah. you guys seem to have got away with it. Yeah, so I got, I got just changed lines, and I got in. It was actually quicker, because we didn't stop at all the stations that we usually stop at. And um, Stu, on the other hand, uh, how long did it take you to get in? You went for the bus route. Yeah, it took me two and a quarter hours to get in, it took me three hours to get home. Yeah. I live eight miles away. <laughs> I could have walked it and it would have been faster. I was late for my interviews on Wednesday mm. by 10 minutes, but there was no one else there, so I actually went straight in and did my interviews. That's handy, isn't it? The ro- with the Robocop cast, which I wish I'd not bothered. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Thursday, I was in the earliest I've ever been in. Amazing. I left 10 minutes early and from home and got in 20 minutes early to the <laughs> office. So the secret is, you're on the Northern Line? Northern Line. And, and I hope they strike every week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually on the Piccadilly, but I took the district this time. But don't you, don't you live, like, 100 yards from this building? Yeah, no, so I have... Yeah, that's where I live with my parents, but I live with my flatmate. I'm in, I'm in Earl's Court. Earl's Court. Yeah, still quite cool. near. I've done yeah. things this week, I just remembered. Yes, we were going to talk about this. Oh, were we? <laughs> yeah, probably. What have, we, what have you done? Um, I have been to two events this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. On Monday, I went to an event for the Vikings, which is out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD this week, uh, the History Channel series, which I'd never seen before. I went down to the British Museum. They screened the first two episodes, and then there was a talk by uh, the creator of the show, who's a historian. He wrote Elizabeth, the movie. Mm, good movie. In the Tudors. The Tudors. It was good fun, the show. Very Game of Thrones. You can see they've been inspired by Game of Thrones. Bloody, violent, filthy, sexy. I enjoyed it. I think I'll keep watching. OK. I learned things about the Vikings. Very clean people. Really? Really? Carried round combs with them. When does it start? Uh, it's, it's already been on the History Channel uh-huh. a while ago, so Series 2 is on soon. OK. Yeah, it's out on Blu-ray. They carried combs with them? They carried combs with them on Luscious their raids. blonde hair. To comb right? their hair. They were very clean compared to the Anglo-Saxons. Oh, we're, we're skanky bastards. Yeah, but the, 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 the Vikings seem to have the reputation for being a filthy people. Mm. But there was quite a lot of rape as well, so... Oh. You take the rough with the smooth. <laughs> quite literally in this case. <laughs> um, and I also, last night, I went to an event for uh, a new vampire movie called Only Lovers Left Alive. Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. Mm. Uh, stars a, a very good cast. Um, Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston, John Hurt... Very slow, very art house, very indie. Now, Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton play play two kind of youngerish vampires, and John Hurt's a really old one. Is that right? Um, well, no, not necessarily. Uh, Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton's characters are called Adam and Eve. Really, so make of that what you will. All right, I won't spoil who who John Hurt's character is. There's a few too many crappy uh, the jokes about them knowing famous people, but right. yeah, he's a very famous person. But okay. 
That's a bit of a spoiler. Um, it's all right. It's a bit slow. It's a bit too cool for its own good. Yeah. It, it's much. What do you yeah, expect? It, it meanders too much. It's all right, though. Tom Hiddleston's a bit disappointing. Really? Yes. But his character is just a very dull character. Mm. Uh, but then afterwards, there was a concert. Jim Jarmusch's band played. Uh, what are they called? Well, I kept squirrel, squirrel, isn't it? I keep thinking of up. Squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> they were all right. They went on a bit. They meandered. Um, Jim Jarmusch. I keep saying it, mate. It's Jim Jarmusch. Of course it's going to meander. But I did stand next to Kate Moss for the gig. How was that? Nice. She's Come on, then. What she look like in real life? Pretty. When... Yeah? Yeah, she's, she's pretty. She's brawny as you think. Uh, she's quite skinny. No, she just looked, she looked quite... Effervescent. She looked Healthy. good. Really? She looked good. Yeah. Um, she was wearing stupidly high heels, mm. spike heels, and a big long fur coat. Mm. Um, yeah, she no looked knickers. great. She looked great. She, and I think she liked me. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even look at me. I told you my Kira Knightley story, didn't I? No. No. This is, I went to, um, this is about, oh, it's got to be five, six years ago. I went to, I think it was Southwark Playhouse to see. Amazing uh, play called Tis Pity She's a Whore. It's oh, not, uh, it's I, t- terrific. I, I was in a version of that when I was at university. I played Giovanni. Yeah, anyway, it's not about you. Right. Um, and we were sat there. It was, it was in the round, and we were, me and Michelle were sat there, and these two kind of youngish girls walked in quite late, just like second before the show was starting. Michelle nudged me and said, My God, look at that one. Does she think she's Kieran Knightley or what? Oh, no. And so I looked closely and I said, that is Kira Knightley. <laughs> and once you knew it was Kira Knightley, you couldn't take your eyes off her because yeah. once again, she's got an aura. She's just got that film star aura around her that it just makes it impossible for you to, to look away. And that mm. weird jaw. Yeah. Why do you talk like that? She's got a bit of the Emma Watson eyebrow acting. Okay. Anyway, one last thing I did this week. What did you do? Uh, uh, last night I went to the Barbican and they had on an amazing musical show, which was uh, called Blow the Bloody Doors Off. <laughs> it was musical numbers from early Michael Caine movies. <laughs> so they did stuff from, obviously, The Italian Job, yeah. Alfie, um, Ipcrest File, and Get Carter. Brilliant. And it was absolutely amazing. And they were running loads of film clips and then playing incidental music from the movies, apart from Get Carter, because Warner Brothers wouldn't give them the rights to show any of the film footage. Oh. Really. Not even from the remake of Sylvester Stallone. Imagine, that would have been hilarious if they'd stuck that on instead. Carter's the best one. What, the best remake? No, it's the best best Michael Caine movie of those lot. Because you think so? I love it. Yeah? I'd go Ipcrest File. I love Ipcrest File. I could watch that time and time again. Luke, these films were made 40 years before you were born. I like um, The Dark Knight Rises with him in... That's my Michael Caine film of choice. It's not really starring Michael Caine, is it? Not from the 60s. He does the whole crying thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sucker for old men crying. I yeah. am. It's, it's the past time. Let's, right. try, let's try and make an old man cry. <laughs> oh, God. It will, we usually keep it out of the podcast. Um, really quite simple. I also did something this week, but I can't talk about what it is. Well, then don't bring it up. It was exciting, and I can talk about it next week. Okay, we'll look forward to it next week then. I hope you're on the show. Let's move on and look at some of the news that's been happening this week. And firstly, Sega and the franchise that just will not die. Yeah, so Sega has announced Sonic Boom, which is a new universe in the Sonic universe. Um, And yeah, it's redesigned, they've redesigned the characters. Why? That's the question. Why have they done it? So if you haven't seen the pictures, they're they're on IGN. The big difference, they've all got scarves. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't told them. Well, there's more to it. There's more to it. But they've got scarves because um, Naughty Dog. They're, they're, it's an ex-Naughty Dog team, and so it's kind of an homage uh, to their previous works. And um, but Knuckles has changed. Knuckles is now 
really tall and yeah. muscly up top and then just skinny legs. So they redesigned it. It's going to be a new game. This is the third um, game in their Nintendo exclusive deal. It's coming to 3DS and Wii U. We don't know when. But this morning what's come out is Sonic Team Japan, which is the main studio. They're not working on this game. It's Western developers that are working on it. And Sonic Team Japan is working on something else. And there's speculation that they're working on a game for PS4 and Xbox One and Wii U, which uh, was something that was rumoured last week. Though Sega said no comment. Who cares anymore? Seriously, who cares about Sonic the Hedgehog? I'm sorry, like but Sonic. isn't this... I know, but I kind of liked Sonic, but I'm talking I kind of liked Sonic back when it was Sonic 2. Oh, see, now, I quite you like know? Sonic Adventure, which was the one that was on um, Nintendo consoles. I got it on the GameCube, Sonic Adventure 2. I quite liked that. That was quite a fun game. Mm. Um, and they had, like, this weird Tamagotchi-ish type thing uh, with called Chow, and you looked after them and raised them. It was, it was all right. It wasn't a traditional Sonic game, but it's interesting because... The previous two Sonic games that were exclusive to Nintendo, so um, it was Sonic Lost World and uh, Mario and Sonic at the Sochi mm. Winter Olympics, which kick off the day. Um, boycott them. Boycott them. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they got awful reviews. Look, so. look, 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 look. You can't think of Sonic without thinking about Mario, as far as I can see, right? Because they were, they were kind of, for a long time, they were pitched head-to-head. Rival mascots. Rival mascots. And now what Mario did with... with, with um, <laughs> I'm talking a lot of nonsense here. What happened with Mario was this very careful, slow kind of iteration of the character where they were very careful about what they did with him, mm. very careful about the games they put him in, and they made sure that they could build him and build him and build him. Poor Sonic. Poor Sonic has just been whored to death. Well, now they're going to put Mario on pasta sauces and things, aren't they? So that's all going to change. <laughs> but, yeah, did you not hear the Nintendo... Is that, is that as a direct result of the failure of the Wii U? Pretty much, I Look, think. I'm not going to be as negative about this story because whenever I played Sonic before, I liked the game, mm. but I always thought it was lacking scarves. And so now <laughs> I found out this news... I'm, I'm coming back. There you go. Old. There you go. They got me. Well, there's a TV series as well. There are 52 episodes of 11 Minutes coming to Cartoon Network. Can wait for that. <laughs> so that. What's with the scarves? Why Naughty Dog scarves? I don't... Well, I mean, everyone's, homage. everyone's saying, oh, because they're Naughty Dog. But I'm like, why is that? I guess because Uncharted has scarves. Does it? Well, doesn't it? When there's all that artwork of him, like, in a desert. Nathan Drake in a desert with a... With a neckerchief. Yes. Are these neckerchiefs or scarves? Yeah, they're neckerchiefs. I've, I've misled you. They are neckerchiefs. Because I was thinking a big, thick Doctor Who yeah. no. scarf. No, it's, it's a, it's a neckerchief. But, you know, it's a change. And apparently, if anyone... You do need to look at these images for this to make sense because they do look mental. But um, it's not permanent. It's just for this other universe. It will change when I, new games come out. I'll be honest, I'm starting to regret you ever reading out this story, Luke. You know what? It's only going to go downhill from here, Chris. That's five minutes of my life, I'm not getting back. That's yeah. for sure. Can we, can we put a drop in to tell people to scroll through the, the five <laughs> minutes when Luke starts talking? Just put a lower third. Well, why just leave it to these particular five minutes? Is my question. I have a story... Uh, it's about the female Expendables, which is called the Expender Bells. That's really clever. Amazing. Uh, now, there's two, there's two uh, projects about a female's kind of um, action troupe. Uh, and this one, uh, there's some details emerged this week. Robert Luketic's going to direct. He did uh, Paranoia and 21, but he's also worked with ladies. He directed Leaky Blonde and Monster-in-Law. Sorry, I thought you said Leaky Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a Different nice story. Still. Yeah. Um, Rumours that Meryl Streep, Cameron Diaz and Miljovic have been approached to, to be in this film. I don't think any of them are going to be in this film because I've read the synopsis. <laughs> I like what he's done there. They've been approached. 
Would you be in my cell? Yeah. No, I, I'm taking a restraining order. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed near me. This is the logline of the movie. When America's Navy SEALs are wiped out trying to penetrate the island lair of a deadly despot who has captured one of the world's top nuclear scientists, it becomes clear that there is no such thing as the right man for the job and that this is a mission so impossible that only women can handle it. The only way in... Now, that, that seems quite empowering, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Quite empowering for the ladies. Uh, the only way in, some of the world's deadliest female operatives must pose as high-class call girls, shipped in by private oh. play to satisfy a dictator, and instead save the scientist and the day. Oh, no! I was no. about to say, that's positive discrimination, which is still bad, but no, it's still... It's still so does awful. that mean they can all dress up in sexy outfits while they do their fights? Who doesn't want to see Meryl Streep in knee-high <laughs> leather boots? Like... Well, now you're being sexy. <laughs> well, I'm not! She's a brilliant and, actress. And ageist. Yeah, um, she doesn't need that. So, yeah, I mean, that just sounds really quite misogynist. It really does, doesn't it? I don't like the sound of that at all. No. Although I can get my obligatory 80s reference in here because if they set it in the 1980s, they could call it the Expender Bell Stars. I don't know what that means. I wasn't born until 89. I'm from the 80s. I'm going to put in a special video-only clip now of the Bell okay. Stars. Uh, the other, the other um, Expendables, the female Expendables, um, is from producer Adi Shankar, and apparently he's got Gina Carano and Katie Sackhoff to star, who are both awesome. Who are they? And hopefully... Um, Gina Carano's the girl sh who was in um, Fast and Furious. She's the MMA fighter. Yes. She's in Haywire. And Katie Sackhoff was in Battlestar Galactica, and uh, she's in Riddick. Okay. That's her there. Oh, OK, cool. They're both really cool girls. This sounds a bit more realistic. Yeah, and I, I would... They're quite feminist, both of those actresses. I'd like to think that they would make a more forward-thinking action film than what that tripe I've just read out. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, runt over. Runt? <laughs> <laughs> no idea what's going on. The Order 1886 will not feature multiplayer and is 30 frames per second. Don't mind that about being 30 frames a second, really. It's running at 1080p, and that's best for the game. Fair enough. However, this whole thing about it being single-player... Yes. ..and not having a multiplayer mode... This seems to be a recurring feature now with the latest slew of PlayStation 4 games. Is that right, Luke? Yeah, so I actually bought a second DualShock 4 controller and I have absolutely nothing to use it with, which is great. Um, but Infamous Second Son is also going to be... Oh, if you're wondering, by the way, if you're watching the video podcast, why I'm not looking at Stuart so the mic can pick me up. It's not because I'm physically repulsed by him. Although there is that too. That's a happy coincidence. Yeah. But basically, uh, Infamous Second Son won't have multiplayer, so a lot of the... A lot of the games that we're seeing, especially PlayStation exclusives, aren't featuring multiplayer, which I think is quite nice. We, you know, The Last of Us was great, and it was single player. I mean, it had multiplayer, but it was mainly single player. I think it's quite nice. When Sony Studios properly focus on single player games, they nail them. I thought the future was multiplayer, though. Well, Titanfall is multiplayer only. So, you know, there, there are studios trying it both, both ways, aren't there? It just seems on PlayStation they're going for single player, and on Xbox they're not. I don't know. Well, there you go. So, I, but I'm quite... I welcome that news. And obviously everyone's throwing their panties in the air about... That's not the right phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, getting their knickers in a knot about the fact that it's 30 frames per second did, because... Did they throw their panties in there before or after they tried it both ways? I see it. So they are... <laughs> Getting the knickers in the knot about the fact that it's 30 frames per second. There, there's also, also talk about it being in, in widescreen as well, 235 widescreen. 
um, was quite interesting. I don't, I can't think of a time that's been done with a game, Chris. Obviously, you know, it's an, it's an aesthetic principle where it comes to cinema. Mm -hmm. But to do that with a game, interesting. And I wonder if it's something that we'll start seeing more of. Because I've been watching a couple of, well, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned this last week. No, no, I didn't. I talked about it to somebody else. I'm watching Borgen at the moment, catching up with Borgen. Mm. That's in 2.35 and it's a TV show. Wow. Yeah. It's a good. Love it. Okay. Really good, yeah. Another one to watch. <laughs> <laughs> the order's very cinematic though, so I mean, that might be why they're doing it. Uh, good point, well made. Uh, what have we got next? I've got some news. Okay. Um, it's basically two words, the news. Yes. <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman has been talking, uh, doing Robocop interviews this week, and uh, Sky Movies asked him whether he was had been approached about Star Wars Episode 7. And his answer was, they've called. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> That's it. That's as far as the story goes. Um, I guess they're calling a lot of people, but, I mean, who wouldn't want to see Gary Oldman in Star Wars? I would love to see Gary Oldman He's in awesome. Star Wars, yeah. Although, which Gary Oldman? Are we going to get over-the-top villain Gary Oldman? He's never going to play a good guy. He's got to play a bad guy. I don't mind, really, because I, I think he plays a really noble good guy. Obviously, in the Batman movies, he's really noble. Yeah. But then... He takes something like Leon, and he's a mad bastard, and that's mm. so much fun to watch. Fifth Element. Fifth mad Element, bastard. of course, yeah. Serious Black, mad, good guy. Good mad guy. Good mad guy. Whatever um, it's going to be, though, I'm really stoked if he's going to be in this. I might actually finally get a Star Wars film that I like. Well, don't hold that's your been breath. Made in the last I mean, 30 years. Well, Zac Efron's the one who keeps getting attached to it, so let's not. I don't mind Zac Efron. What is wrong with you? I don't mind Zac Efron. I think he's a he's a fine actor. I think he chooses his roles badly, but I think same with um, what's his name, the fella who's <coughs> shagging Demi Moore. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. I think he's a good, really good actor. Whatever happened to that Steve Jobs biopic? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we talked about that. I yeah. think it's, it's it's. I've seen it. Is it good? Uh, it's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, I think it's a good performance, as we said, a good performance in a not very good film. Um, okay. So yeah, that's the story, pretty much. I know. Gary Oldman might be in Star Wars. <laughs> As might everyone at this stage. But, yeah, that's a good thing. I think so. I like him. Mm. Gary Oldman, Michael Fassbender's apparently in talks. Like, get some of these guys in. Oh, imagine. This is what we want. Benedict Cumberbatch. Does this mean we can forget the last three films, then? Yes, I think so. Yeah, is that all right? I don't I mind the prequels. I know, and a lot of our listeners quite like them, but Stuart and I don't. Um, I we think, are old men, though. I, think I just like bright colours, to be honest, and that's what the sequels... Have you like. watched Speed Racer? No, and I haven't seen the remake of Tron either. You probably like the monkey in Speed Racer. Um, I think, more importantly, J.J. Abrams is going to forget the prequels as well. Yeah. I think he's just working from the point of view of those other three films. Mm, let's hope so. Any more news, Stu? Uh, last bit from you, I believe, Luke. Yes, I do have one more. Um, so... You th that was only two words that you had to worry about. This is one sentence. Yeah. Oh, no. So, Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, will apparently be reimagined in Batman vs Superman to feature tattoos and a shaved head. So, there's a bit more. So, this is Latino Review. How reputable are Latino Review? Yeah, they get some good scoops, actually. Okay, so this might be true, then. So, Latino Review... So, there are some minor spoilers for the film. If, so, you may want to scrub through this bit, assuming this is real. We don't know if it is. Um, but what, this podcast? This podcast is real. This podcast is real, but, I mean, the, 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 the story. So, Chris Terrio? He's apparently writing it. I didn't know that. Well, I someone called Chris Terrio is apparently rewriting the script, and so this could all change. But um, Eisenberg's Luther is meant to have a sleeve tattoo mm -hmm. down his right arm of the Metropolis skyline. Um, he became a self-made billionaire at 18. Um, so but at 14, he was on the street. Um, he was a big kind of like, and he got inducted into a street gang. 
And within a year, despite being quite scrawny, he used his resolve and his wits to kind of make his way to the top of this street gang. So he's in charge of them. Then by the time he's 18, he sets up his own business. And before you know where he are, he's, he's right at the top. And um, he's one of the richest men on the planet. Because he's so self-made, he hates Bruce Wayne, who he views was given everything on a platter, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, inherited it, didn't earn any of it. So there's apparently a scene early on where Wayne visits um, Lex in his penthouse apartment. And he basically says they'd like to philanthropically pool their money to rebuild Metropolis. And um, Luther's not really into that. He thinks he can do it on his own. He doesn't need Wayne's help. But he realises that he could potentially use Wayne's enormous assets as kind of, whoops, Wayne, Wayne Enterprises assets to um, kind of put on the line as a stake against this in this fight against Superman and kind of... God, I hope it's more interesting than the way you're telling this. Thanks! But is, there you is go. Is there more? No, and how does the film end, though? Because I feel like you've given us quite a lot. Um, I don't know. I assume Batman's going to fight Superman. Yeah, there's probably going to be a massive punch-up. Haven't had enough of them in the first one. Fair enough. With, um, with most of Metropolis being destroyed. Once again. Yeah. Well, we had a long... Uh, we, we missed this last week because this broke just after we'd done uh, the podcast last week. But we have addressed this question at length on the Superhero Show, mm. our new weekly show on IGN, which uh, it goes on the site every Saturday. So look out for that. But um, I guess the, the casting of, of, of Jesse Eisenberg has been quite controversial. I mean, it pretty much melted the internet last week. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, certainly some people in our office including myself, we're all like, oh, no. And then after about 30 seconds, like, oh, hold on, that's actually quite interesting. It's a new take, isn't it? It's a different direction, which is kind of what I want to see in this new movie. Yeah. Um, we all appreciate his performance in Social Network. So we can see, I mean, you can see Lex Luthor cribbing from that. There's a steeliness to him, a nastiness, which I think will definitely come across. An intellectual superiority. Yeah. Even in, uh, like, Now You See Me, like, there's an arrogance there, isn't there, as well? Like, oh, yeah. snide. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you want arrogance, he's, he's your go-to guy. Mm. You feel like he could outsmart you, although he didn't outsmart Rich Bearpark. No. When he interviewed him and did a magic trick for him for Now, now You See Me. He did outsmart that other poor reporter, do you remember? Oh, that was oh yeah, that poor girl. Yeah, I didn't go Oh, we should put that on the site. <laughs> yeah, we should stick that joke. That's Lex Luthor. Yeah, this is Lex Cruel to that female journalist. Yeah. Maybe we'll embed that in the story. Um, <laughs> what has got me a bit worried is the, t the talk of them rewriting it at the moment. Now, it's pretty definite that Brian Cranston had an audition... Um, Joaquin Phoenix spoke to them. Tom There's Hanks. even talk of Tom Hanks. So they were obviously going for an older Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. I, I want the film to be made with a... Start off with a great script and then cast accordingly. With this, it feels like they've done it the other way around. Yeah, where they've yeah. kind of... Although, that said, uh, if you gave a great, great screen test and they thought, this is our guy, then maybe, you know, they've decided to write around that. But it's... I don't know, it feels like a, a arse-backwards way to to put a movie together. But this is, surely this is what Zack Snyder does. He thinks of the, he thinks of the spectacle first. Mm. He thinks of the art direction first. And then those irritating flesh bag actors, he just kind of crams them in as best he can into his movies. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Am I wrong? No, no, I quite agree. I quite agree. But I'm ever the optimist. So I hope, I mean, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I really am intrigued. Someone walked up a poster in our comment section that looked really good of, of Jesse Eisenberg with a, a shaved head and a nice suit on, just looking angry. Mm. It's like, oh, actually, I, I can see that now. I, th I think it could work. I, I don't really have any reservations about it. I mean, the first film wasn't fantastic. The only way is up, right? Yeah, then it's a, Another this... 80s reference. <laughs> Yaz and the plastic... 
population. Didn't they say the tattoo is, is going to be a tattoo of Metropolis? Yeah. yeah. Skyline. Which sounds a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah. But well, I was trying to think... This of... is my home. Yeah. You can imagine all that, can't you? I, mean, bang. But, uh, I don't know, maybe it's to do with the fact that he now has a penthouse and he's looking out over it and it's just kind of a, I earned this shit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's intriguing. Yeah. Yes. Could be a good twist. I think that's it for news. Don't forget, if you've got any comments on any of the news stories we've been putting up on the site, anything we've talked about on the podcast, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com is your go-to email address. Uh, you can also get us on Twitter and Facebook. Slash IGN UK. Mm-hmm. Some people have been getting in touch with us. Uh, Brian Smith has. This is, uh, I'll apologise now. This is a lengthy one, so sit tight. That's what she said. That's what she said, indeed. Hi, guys. My name is Brian. Love the podcast and especially having the video version. Hiya! Watching Chris's face the other week as he had to run out to drop Mr Brown off at the pool had my side splitting. I'm glad that's come up again. <laughs> every, every week now, mate. Every week? Every week. Oh, man. But come on, it was only the second one we ever filmed. I've done 150 of these and never needed a... A poo. <laughs> <laughs> I could have got away with it if it wasn't on video. It's like that old, it's like that, it's like that old gag, isn't it? Honestly, you save all those kids from a burning building, you resuscitate an old man who's dying from a heart attack, and nobody remembers you for that. You shag one sheep, and it's all they talk about. <laughs> anyway... I'll watch the Easter egg from the end of that episode, though. <laughs> Toilet cab. <laughs> Nasty. No, sorry. So Brian's question is, what do you think about Microsoft's lack of support for the Xbox One in Europe at the moment? Do you think this is a trend that will continue in the coming years? What lack of support do you mean, Brian? Let me explain, he says. I'm specifically referring to the lack of voice commands outside of the six countries that it does support, even even leaving out English-speaking countries like Australia uh, and my own country, Ireland. And the UI is not the easiest to navigate without it. When I contacted Xbox support on Twitter, the response I got was, there is no ETA, but they're working on it. Then there's the lack of apps at the moment, where it lacks in comparison to even the 360 or any half-decent smart TV. And while the US gets all the NFL stuff, there's nothing like that offered here with Europe's biggest sport, football. Finally, there's the whole 50-60 hertz issue, as well as the issues with Dolby surround sound. While not a major issue, it takes away the point of watching TV through Xbox One to begin with. Mm. I find it strange that Microsoft are not addressing these issues in the countries they launched in yet, especially when Microsoft promised us the box that could do everything. They talked about the wonderful functionality of Connect and how it would be such an integral part of Xbox One, allowing you to snap to your TV or Skype or whatever, but try to snap anything but your controller without voice commands. I just hope Microsoft are not forgetting about us over here, and I also hope they remember that we paid out an extra $200 at £429 for what is at the moment a half-functioning box. It's also making my PS4 seem more of a bargain by the day. Mm. Well, I mean, we've, you know, we've, we've talked and talked and talked about Xbox mm. and, and PS4. Uh... I know there's a patch coming. Um, it's the next major patch, and... It's one of the things that they are doing is they're moving a lot of the old feature or the features on it to make it more like the Xbox 360. So to make it easier for you to find your friends list, to party up, stuff like that. So they are taking feedback. And so that is coming. In terms of support, I'm not too sure because I know there's still no release window for the Nordics and stuff like that. They seem to be focusing on the markets they're in and not really rolling out much more. But I mean, America was always there primary battleground, right? Seems that, to me. That was where they wanted to win. Yeah. That's what they... It seems like they have won. Really? Um, what are the figures like? Mm, as far as I'm aware, the figures are very, very close. I'd imagine... I mean, because obviously, people who come to IGN are quite clued up on games usually. So for us who get all the information, a lot of people were like, oh, the PS4 seems cheaper and like a better deal. But there's lots of brand loyalty. And so I think a lot mm-hmm. of people have gone for Xbox One. And especially in America, 
what you do with the TV stuff, it does make more sense in some respect. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, they, I know there were talks with Sky to get stuff over here, but... That was rumour, I thought. Well, so, so we hear. I mean, apparently they didn't work out, and so... But it's the thing is, you've got, you got Sky Player on the, on the Xbox 360. Yes. If you were, I think you had to be a gold subscriber, and you had to, obviously had to have an, a, a Sky, be a Sky customer. Mm. But that functionality hasn't been carried over onto the Xbox One, then. No, but it's weird, because still on the PS4, you have 4OD on the PS3, but you don't have... Or you do have 4OD... No, you don't have 4OD on the... Um, PS4. Right. So you have iPlayer and you have five on demand. And similarly, there was a YouTube app on the PS3. And there isn't. It's just to do with, I think, them not wanting to rush it out. Because, you know, the, wor the worst thing than having a lack of apps is having apps that are just buggy and don't work. And I know they, they do have kind of tiers and release timelines and things that they aren't sharing with us. But um, they, want, they want to mirror it, right? It just seems a bit sad, really, doesn't it? If you're an early adopter and you're paying, you know... You're paying four hundred and thirty pounds for a console, mm. which in a, you know in a year's time or eighteen months' time will probably have a hundred quid off that price and have all the apps available for it. Then it just seems like I don't know. You kind of feel that these early adopters should be thrown a bone of some sort for being the pioneers out there and getting this stuff in their house and and and, and you know and not getting the full the full suite of, of capabilities. I mean, it, it seems like there were some issues because I know Twitch was meant to launch with Xbox One and it hasn't. That's been delayed. And the iPlayer app was meant to be very close to launch, and that's now got a kind of undetermined ETA of Q2. Mm -hmm. um, so that's slipping as well. So I, I don't know whether they're just development issues or, or what's quite happening, but it does seem... Knowing Microsoft, I don't think it'll be for lack of caring or lack of trying. It'll be that there must be some issue that we don't know about sure. that's kind of holding it back for now. Well, I guess, you know, as soon as we know anything, we'll let you know on IGN. I'm still confused. Did you say there's a five on demand? Yes. Why is there a five on demand? Who would want a five on demand? I watched um, a recreation of the Amanda, Mo Amanda Knox, Meredith Kircher case on that. Did you? Yeah. It wasn't very good. Was it done with sock puppets? No, it wasn't very good. It was um, actors who didn't look anything like any of them. And also because no one actually knows what happened, it was... You know Michael Winterbottom's made a film about the court case. Has he? Yeah. Isn't that with um, Kate Beckinsale? Yeah. I don't know why she agreed to that. I don't know why he did it. I'd watch, I'd watch anything directed by Michael Winterbottom, though. I think he's a terrific director. Yeah, I don't like it. I didn't like the trailer. Anyway, let's yes. change the subject. All right, then. Um, I have a piece of feedback. It's from Sebastian Gray. It says, hi, guys. Hope all is well. Got a question, question for you about the PS Vita Slim. Yes. I'm someone with large hands. Oh. And I've been toying with the idea of getting a Vita for a while, but one aspect that has concerned me from what I've read and heard in your podcast that the finger grips rest on the back aren't that great and can lead you to accidentally touching the back touch screen. Mm. Uh, the new Vita Slim seems to have larger back finger grips rests. So with that in mind, could you give your opinion on which you feel would be suited to someone like me? I will add that the screen differences doesn't bother me. It's more the functionality and how it feels holes that I'm concerned about. Well, I've only played with the new Vita Slim. Uh, we got one in the office last week and I've, I've, I've played break, uh, sorry, Tearaway on it, mm. which I've had fun with. It's been really good. Um, I don't know, I don't have particularly big hands, mm. but um, I did have a couple of issues with the grip, but I also had issues with the touchscreen at the back either being too sensitive or not sensitive enough. And without altering any, um, any settings in the game or any settings on the controller, I found that sometimes you just have to glancingly touch it and stuff would happen, and other times you'd be bashing the effing thing and 
and nothing would happen. Mm. So I think that is probably more of an issue that the, the kind of sensitivity of the, of the of the of the thing on the back, whether or not that's just this particular mod, this one particular example, I don't know. But um, I like the fact it's really light. Yeah, it's really light. I, I stuck it in my coat pocket without even thinking twice about it. You know, the other one was quite unwieldy. So the screens don't bother you because obviously there's been some people saying the old screen is better. It's OLED versus yeah. the new ones um, LCD screen. Yeah. I don't think it doesn't bother me. Um, well, I think OLED, OLED screens are, are kind of brighter. They've got richer colors. I think what's a bit, what's what's off is that some places have been touting this as a new improved screen, and in fact, well, not really not improved. Really. But what's interesting is that I spoke to um, a mate of mine who works in kind of TV and like hardware and stuff, and a lot of the TV manufacturers are focusing on LED screens rather than or LCD screens rather than kind of. OLED, apparently. Well, no, OLED is a new one, that new screens that are coming to market. But the trouble is they're very, very expensive to manufacture. Uh. They're very expensive to make large quality screens. You can, you know, I think there was an OLED screen, like a 19-inch like a, a screen or something, brought out a couple of years ago by, could have been Sony, I might be wrong. But that was like, it was ridiculous money. It was like a thousand pounds for a small screen. But yeah, it's much more vivid. The, the quality is, is, is superior. I mean, the, the, so I don't think you were listening to your friend properly at the I time. I wasn't, no. But the, I think... Um, were you doing that nodding thing and smiling as he was talking and then actually not listening to what you were saying? Well, he said that, but I don't know how intelligent he is. So, um, anyway, the Vita was all right. I think the new Vita is quite nice. I, I like it. I prefer it's more compact. It's, it's lighter than a... I think, I, well, I think it's lighter than the 3DS. I, another like thing that. that's annoyed me, though, I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get Netflix on this. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I looked everywhere. You can't get Netflix on it. Mm. Why not? You can get it in the US, apparently, mm. or you could get it on the US, but now they've like updated the firmware, and uh, so you can't hack it to bring the US version of Netflix over here. So, so once again, we have an item that's kind of been crippled just because we don't live in America. Could you remote play it with your PS4 and Netflix? I don't have a PS4. Well, then not, whose fault is that? Not a money hat. Well, I, I kind I didn't of... didn't say free PS4. I kind of drifted off about halfway through that conversation. Uh, did we give Sebastian an answer? To yeah. what? To yeah, I'd, new... I'd, I'd get one. Seriously, I'd get one. I love it. It's really good fun. I, I've... The new Vita. I, I, yeah, the, the new, new Vita's better. Yeah. And the grips yeah. are definitely better. Good. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um... Oh, yeah, off you go then. Chris Macking has written in, saying, he finally got round to watching Gravity today and he cannot praise it enough. Possibly the tensest 90 minutes of cinema I have ever experienced and would implore Alex to reconsider waiting for the Blu-ray release as it really won't be the same. Yeah. Incidentally, it was the first time I'd gone to the cinema by myself and I can't um, help but feel that this was key to becoming so absorbed in the film. Mm. Um, so, wondering, what's our opinion on the difference between seeing a film alone or with a group? Obviously, seeing it alone for a review is a little different as you're having to separate yourself from the experience, take notes. So this is just based on films you see for pleasure. Uh, P.S. Stu, we need to talk about our love for vinyl. Get over vinyl, it is dead. It's certainly um, dead. Well, it's much easier for me to touch myself when I'm on my own. Good. So that's a big bonus. When you're watching the Expendables. <laughs> the Expendables. Love <laughs> <laughs> those muscles. <laughs> um, no, it's a weird thing, though. I mean, obviously, I do it. I go to the cinema a lot on my own now because I'm reviewing movies and it's kind of part of my daily working life. But before I got this job, when you're doing it, the first time you go on your own, it's quite a weird thing to do. And you think, this is very odd. Mm. And then it's actually quite freeing. It's like, yeah. oh, this isn't actually that bad. I don't feel like such a weirdo. My first one was the David Lean Cinema in Croydon, and I went to see Go on my own. Great movie. Doug Lyman, yeah, fantastic. If you haven't seen it, yeah. see it. Um, Timothy Oliphant from Justified. He's so awesome good in that movie. 
Um, and, but what was weird, it's quite... There's, like, sex and drugs, and it's quite... Um, so it's, it's almost a Tarantino-inspired kind of movie. Um, and it was just me and a very little old lady. <laughs> and I think she'd maybe wandered into the wrong film and I just kept hearing her tutting throughout the film. <laughs> so she kept touching her. <laughs> but actually, it did make me feel a bit self-conscious about the film because there was an old lady. It was just me and an old lady. Yeah, so right. it did actually affect me in a little way because I was kept thinking about this poor lady <laughs> being shocked out of her skin. Have you, what was the first film you saw on your own? Can you remember? Yeah, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Really? Yeah, because it was... It was um, it was released, and then um, there was such a massive buzz about it, it came back to cinemas a few weeks later. Yeah, well, it, no, it didn't come out on DVD, as well. it wasn't that's coming right. out on video. That's so right, well, that's... It. it got banned. That's why I bought a Laserdisc player, because it was the only way I could get a copy of the film to watch again. Oh. It was on Laserdisc, of I spent a ridiculous amount of money importing a Laserdisc player and, and a Laserdisc from the States. But, yeah, I went to see it one Saturday night at the, at the cinema, and it was absolutely heaving. It was rammed, and I was really lucky to get a seat. But it was one of those things where... I just didn't, couldn't find anybody else that wanted to go and see this weird movie, and I just thought, screw it, I'm just going to go on my own. Mm. And I did, and it was great. And I remember that seeing Reservoir Dogs, I think, was a pivotal moment in my film-going experiences because it's, it was just unlike anything I'd it, seen. Before. It changed everything. Yeah. And funny enough, my experience of that one was at the David Lean Cinema. It was at 18, and I was too young to see it. And it's the one time I went to my dad and said, look. I really want to see this film. I need to see this film. If you go with me, they're not going to question. You just buy the tickets and we'll go in. But it's very violent. And are you cool with that? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And we went to see it. And we both just loved it. Like, it was... it was, And it changed the industry. It changed the film industry. Yeah. So that was um, an amazing moment. It's still an audacious film. I remember, you know, there are certain scenes in that film that still make yeah. your jaw drop. The way, the way the camera is handled and, and things like that, it's, it's incredible. There's that... I've talked about it before, I'm sure, but there's an amazing scene where it's... Um, where there's a couple of men, and, it's, and the camera is, like, locked off down one end of a corridor, and all you see is, like, a door frame, and the two characters are just occasionally pacing back and forth behind the door frame, and all you just see glimpses of them. Yeah. And he holds this shot for what seems like, you know, minutes and minutes and minutes, yeah. and it was just so brave and such an unusual thing yeah. to do. Ballsy. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Luke, on going to cinema on your own? Well, because I used to work in an independent cinema and there was a bar downstairs, so... And during the film, you'd always have one person watching the film. So I watched quite a few films that way, but you'd be serving people, so I don't think that really counts because he's on about the immersion, isn't he? It doesn't. So the only film that I've actually gone to see on my own is um, The Hobbit, the first one, as a screening at uh, Odeon Leicester Square. And I was on my own, um, with my first screening as well, so I was kind of, I had no idea what was going on, all a bit kind of abused by the, the whole thing. And it was um, the high frame rate version. Mm -hmm. And I think actually, see now I really like the high frame rate and talking to my friends about it, I then really talked it up. And then they all took pains to see the high frame rate version and were like, what are you on about? That's like, it was weird, I didn't get it. And I think the reason I liked it, as he said, was because I was on my own. And so I could kind of get into it. Like, I didn't kind of have anyone next to me to be like, God, this is weird. What's happening here? This is so odd. Mm. I just kind of had to be like, I'm here for, what, a good five and a half hours. So I may as well just watch it and get into it. See, but nobody I ever go to the cinema with would dare talk to me during the film anyway. Because no. it's just like, I'm here to watch the film. I really don't care about no, it. All my friends you, are those annoying, kind of like, I know what's happening here. This is what's happening. I actually shushed two girls last night at the. At the only Lovers Left Alive screening. Really? They kept talking and texting. <sighs> Grim. Ugh. But no, it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see what the reader, the listeners think about mm, going yep. to cinema on your own. And if you haven't done it, try it. Try it. It's quite, it's, it is liberating. It's not as weird and, yeah, it's not it's as not. weird and odd as you think. Yeah. Uh, this is from Joshua Piggott-Smith. 
Uh, did Alex actually say Hugo Boss model Ryan Reynolds looked like a dodgy-eyed pig? Is this a, did this happen last week? So when yeah, I was out of he here? complained that Ryan. What well, it was Deadpool, wasn't it? We were talking about. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he said that um, he, Ryan Reynolds looks. It's like, like it's like Joshua says. I'm not even his biggest fan, and I love you, Alex. But come on, he was banging Scarlett Johansson. Shame on you, Luke and Chris, for not calling him out. No, absolutely right. I mean, I, have a pic I, I met Ryan Reynolds in Texas. <laughs> I have a I've picture got, of his face on my desk. I've got a picture of me next to him, and, yeah, you don't come off the better of those two when you're standing next to him in a photograph. No. Do not stand next to Ryan Reynolds in a picture. He looks great. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a very attractive man. Yeah, that's very weird attractive. from Alex. Jealousy. Jealousy, for Jealousy. sure, yeah. Jealousy. Maybe uh, he's never had a look at his face. He's been distracted by the abs. I have an email from Simon from Leeds. Oh, yeah. Hiya, Simon. I don't want you guys to address this too much. I just want you to give me answers, OK? Right. I'm right. going to pitch you the questions. Um, he says, quickly, I'll say, first of all, thanks for 3DS help. On your advice, I got myself an XL. I'm having a lot of fun with Zelda. Glad we could be of assistance. Good. And then Simon says, who do you reckon would win in a fight? <sighs> OK. Riddick versus Batman. 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 Kratos versus Superman. Kratos. Yeah, Kratos. I think. Solid Snake versus Sam Fisher. Sam Fisher. Written. Yeah. Okay, Sam Fisher. I'll go along with that. Uh, Drake versus Indiana Jones. Brackets in his prime. Indiana Jones. Drake. Good. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about Drake the rapper, by the way. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. No, I like JJ. Well, he did beat up Chris Brown. That happened. Is that Good. Thing? Yeah. Good. He, he deserved it though, didn't he? Probably. Max Fuller, okay. Not that I'm advocating any violence. <laughs> Great. Recently I got into the indie gaming scene. I bought Fez, Orcs Must Die 1 and 2 just last week. Wondering what your guys' favourite indie games are or your favourite indie films. Thanks for the great podcast. So, let's start with... Tilly, do you want to do your favourite indie films? I can do, but funnily enough, uh, the film I wrote down uh, was Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> really? Yeah, when I was thinking about this wow. earlier. What last? I think Reservoir Dogs... Well, it's just a change in independent cinema, like we said earlier. I yeah. think it's a brilliant, audacious debut, uh, made for no money, and yet, you you know, it, could, it looks like it costs a lot of money. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I wrote down a few. I mean, they're all kind of from the 90s, but um, Swingers is one of my favourite movies. I love Swingers, and the story behind that movie is as interesting as the movie itself, how they got that, the money together to make it. John Favreau wrote the script autobiographical. Um, he did a bunch of readings with all his friends around Hollywood and he kept getting offered lots and lots of money for the script so that they could cast famous people in it. And he stuck to his guns, made the movie for very little money and all those actors are basically playing themselves in that movie and that's why it works, mm -hmm. the chemistry between them all. Blair Witch Project I think is a really interesting independent film. Because yep. it's the first time... It first found people. footage movie. Was first, really, yeah, wasn't it? Kind of. The first one that hit big. And it's the first film that really showed people that you can do this yourself in this day and age. Yeah. You don't need big budgets, you know, that's since Paranormal Activity and, you know, people releasing film themselves. That, that changed everything. But then there, there was um, Clarks, Clerks, 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 course, Clerks. Yeah, yeah. You know, shot, shot in black and white, 60 mil, tiny budget. Yeah. Movies like that are always interesting. I mean, Man Bites Dog was another great example of that. Really, yeah. really low budget and a really affecting movie as well. All these, like you say, seem to come out around about the same time, yeah, yeah. didn't they? Um, it's, diff it's difficult as well to kind of have that divide between an indie movie, what you think of as an indie movie, sure. and what is just a low-budget movie. Yeah, yeah. Because they can be quite two different things. I mean, look at all the trauma stuff that came out. Mm. Tiny budgets. Yeah. But you wouldn't... Would you really call them indie movies? Yeah, no, it's... it's and a lot of these films got bought by big studios and sure. released with a lot of money behind them, so... Yeah. 
like Usual Suspects was an independent film, but I don't, you don't really think of it that way. You think of it as a big studio movie, yeah. don't you? Yeah, with lots of famous people in it. Yeah. Well, they weren't all that famous back then. What about you, Lee? Luke? Leek. Um, I want to know what Lee's favourite independent film is. I don't really... Films? I don't really know about films. Games I can do. <laughs> Go on then, games. Save your games then. We yeah. put him on the spot there and he couldn't <laughs> cope, could he? I freaked out a little bit. I didn't know what was happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't Starve on PS4 is one that I've kind of gotten into recently. That's all right. Yeah. It's a bit... It's quite... Um, I've heard a lot about this, but I don't actually know what it's about. So it's, there's quite a steep learning curve in the sense that you kind of have to survive, and the point of it is don't starve. Like, you know, every, when, night, when night rolls around, things get a lot tougher and stuff. And there's a very steep learning curve. And yeah, there are guides and things, but the real enjoyment comes from just picking it up being thrown in, figuring out what the buttons do, what, everything to do. And I mean, a lot of my friends actually have lost patience with it just because it's so kind of, it, it's quite obtuse to get into. But, um, but, it, but it's worth it. Uh, and then the other one that I really enjoyed on PC um, is a game called Papers, Please. I don't know. Oh, yes. Have you, have you yeah, played I, that? I watched Krupa play it. Mm. Mm. I watched Krupa so, play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was in that Charlie Brooker show, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's like a kind of, um, it's a... Um, has a lot to say about immigration and stuff, but it's just very, very cleverly done. And um, no, I really, really enjoyed that. That's kind of, it had, it's quite a simple idea, but it had quite a strong um, resonance with me. So I really liked it. Um, and I guess, well, obviously the standard things of Journey, Resogun, stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously. Journey's great still. I still love Journey. Yeah. It's still a beautiful looking game. Uh, Liberty City of Heroes, the headline for this email. I've got two emails. I'm going to read them back to back. This first one is from... Uh, <laughs> Actual Foxhole Atheist. It's an yeah. amazing name. Uh, listening to the discussion on the podcast a couple of weeks ago of a GTA 5 style game, but without the criminal elements, immediately got me thinking about other possibilities. As someone who played City of Heroes and City of Villains... MMOs? Uh, yeah. Very good. Greatly enjoyed them. I'd love to see a superhero game set in the GTA 5 world. I mean, literally building a game into the already existing Liberty City map. Uh, GTA 4, he says, was one of the richest, most involving environments that I've ever experienced in a game. Imagine it like a grown-up version of Lego Marvel superheroes, which he says I've played extensively with my four-year-old daughter and a few times behind her back, but with the inane block stud collecting replaced with RPG elements. And also from Philip Morgan, he says, with the ever-increasing success of the GTA franchise, the excellently detailed American City replicas on previous-gen graphics, it is now time with the new gen for a return of the Getaway franchise. Can you imagine PS4 graphics rendering a couple or more UK-based cities? That'd be great, wouldn't it? Imagine that. Great idea. I, yeah. say, I swear, because I know Rockstar have been asked about coming back to London or something like that, and they've um denied about it, but they've said, you know, they feel it's been done. So I don't think I don't think GTA's coming back, but no, the getaway's a good shout. Would be great. Mm. I wonder if they see now we've got these next gen graphics, if uh, and with the way things can be mapped a lot easier and stuff like that. I wonder if it's easier for them to actually like build worlds like this now. Do you well, know what I mean? It seems. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Watch Dogs is Chicago. Infamous Second Son is Seattle. Yeah. Uh, the Order eighteen eighty six is London. It's Victorian London. So. Look, I mean, a lot of them are kind of taking real-world settings, but, you know, adding bits of twists. So I guess the data's out there now, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, everywhere is mapped to within millimetres of, of everything else, so I guess it's just a case of collating this data and... I mean, if you can do it, I mean, honestly, I, mean I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it took so long for GTA V, but it, it, they showed that it could be done on last-gen consoles. Yeah. So, why it's not? It's a great idea. I look forward to that. Um, just quickly, if you like City of Heroes and City of Villains, there is a um, passion project underway to kind of bring them back online um, called, I think it's called City of Titans, but I've gone blank. But it's a Kickstarter thing. It's doing really well and it's due out in a couple of years and it looks really exciting. So if you're a fan of those games and you're sad that they were sunsetted, go have a look.
Looking after my MMO, Pete. Both of them. Oh, fuck off. Um, so, what number are we on? You. I don't know, Stu messed it all up. He so did. I'm really confused now. Yeah, because there were two fours. So uh, well done, Stu. Were well, there? Unbelievable. Uh, so, Wesley Saunders says, uh, uh, I can remember clearly when about three <laughs> he years ago. He actually did make that noise, yeah. I think he fell asleep on the keyboard. I can remember clearly when about three years ago at the tender age of 14, I first played Assassin's Creed 2. It was the first time I remember getting involved with a story and an amazing character and thinking like one of you fancy reviewers. I am, however, yet to have the same experience with films and find them pretty boring, only being interested in big explosions and other such things. I came halfway to Epiphany when watching This Is England and would like to ask you your opinion on what film would complete my journey to true film appreciation. Something similar to the awesome Sean Meadows film mentioned above. Shane Meadows, Luke. Well, he's written short. I don't care, but you should know it's Shane Meadows. Oh, yeah, because I watched This Is England. It sounds like something about football hooliganism. <laughs> There's the pull quote right there. Yeah, I'm not getting involved in that. I guess we should mention Reservoir Dogs again at this point, should we? God, <laughs> get over Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Are there other films that have been released since the 80s? <laughs> 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, movies, how can you... It's difficult. It's really what? hard. I mean, if you... You go really high pitch there. <laughs> look, look. If you like stuff like The Last of Us, that's basically a film where you control the characters. Yeah. So just go and watch a film where you don't control the characters. Right. So that's not really helpful in any way, shape, or form, is it? I, I think I think Martin Scorsese's films are a good way in. Those were the first really great movies I properly got into when I was much younger. Like his entire back catalogue, pretty much. Yeah, but even I mean, well, not all, not everything. Not everything. Not I mean, this one. Do you not like Bringing Out the Dead? Not really. not really. But I don't think you could watch Mean Streets and really appreciate it until you saw some other Scorsese stuff. Because mm. that's quite it's quite hard going. Mean Streets. Mm -hmm. Goodfellas is probably the best jumping off point, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Watch Without Goodfellas. Three hours, two hours, three hours of your life. Two hours forty, I'd say. There you go. But watch Goodfellas. Let us know you get on. And we'll think up some more for next week. Yeah, there you go. I just rewatched the entire Harry Potter set of films. Yeah, it was similar to Goodfellas. Yeah, very, very, very. Felt so. I felt it was worth mentioning. Sickening. Are we moving on? Yeah. I've got another one. So this is from, from Stray Cannon. Um, I'm really enjoying Marvel's Ultimate Comics line at the moment, and considering buying all the previous issues of Ultimate Comics X and Ultimate Comics X-Men on Comixology. Is that taking it too far? Is 2912 for comics? Should I be consumed with shame and hand back my man card? I'll ponder that as I play Knack and beat up some goblins. No. I don't think so. Well, I don't think you're ever too old for comics, are you? You're ever too old for any sort of art form. Also, he does say you should change the superhero show to the hero super show. Um, you have been having issues with branding, so maybe. Have you? What? Have we? No. Um, why, so, why, would we do, why would we change the hero super show? Well, it's just he, he prefers it as a name. Okay. Take it on board. Message oh, well, yeah. yeah, I'll have a think. So, I don't know, I don't think, yeah, I think you're right. You can like things at any age, except for children. <laughs> I have an email from Martin Rackham, who says, uh, wondering if you guys could furnish me with your educational opinion or knowledge based upon facts regarding a PS4 release of The Last of Us. Oh. I have both the PS3 and PS4, and I have a small black log of... <laughs> black log. <laughs> that, was, that was you the other week, Chris, wasn't it? A small black log. It was small. Um, he says, I have a small backlog of PS3 titles I want to play, The Last of Us being one of them. Should I strike you from my backlog list <laughs> and put it on my PS4 future fun list? Um, yeah, that's the first question. Um, not confirmed that there's going to be a PS4 version, and Naughty Dog have said actually today 
depends. They've, if they've got resources, they it, might look oh, into it. Listen, it's so good on PS3. Yeah, it go looks it. so good. It plays so yeah. well. It, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Just go and play it on PS3. I play it now because the height's kind of dying down a bit as well, so you get a, you won't be kind of coloured by it. It's good, and also the DLC is out next week. Yeah. So if you like it, you. It's get an that. amazing game. Really? It really is. He says. Also, should I be playing Demon Souls Two, having finished the Fallout's and Skyrim? Yes, it's exciting. It's an exciting game, but it's very difficult. Don't expect. I mean, Fallout and Skyrim have their tough points, but um, it's very unforgiving. So I uh, give it a go. Um, Dark Souls 2 is... It's, it looks great, but... He said Demon Souls 2. Yeah, Demon Souls 2 hasn't been confirmed, but there's rumours it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Okay. And do you like owls? Owls? Yeah, I do like owls. He knows a cracking owl sanctuary. Where? Near Norwich. Oh. Uh, Thanks for that. I'm not allowed to go into East Anglia. Partridge. Oh, you know. Why? I can't go into it right now. But yeah, cool. We forgot to write down the stuff that's coming out this week. Uh, but I'm good at my job, so I can figure it out. Hang on, Boom. hang on. This is where the... So, Mr Peabody and Sherman is out this week. Which apparently isn't bad. Yeah, I know. I wish I'd seen it reviewed. Bit irritating, because we were all hoping it was going to be terrible, because nobody in England understands the whole concept of Mr Peabody and Sherman. Well, do you know who they are? Well, they're, they're, they're characters from the Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah. show, aren't they? which we were oh. almost a little bit. There's a great Rocky and Bullwinkle pinball machine. Is there? Yeah, I used to play that a lot when I went to the States. Um, I love pin I wish we had a pinball machine in the office. Do you? Yeah. Either, nice. either Adam's Family or Theatre of Magic. What, they Dory? Were Why do you want Dory to get Terminator was a great pinball machine. Was, wasn't it? Adam's Family's good. Yeah. Agree. Um, the Mamushka! Yeah. That's the bit I remember from that. <laughs> What's the date today? The 7th? Yeah. Robocop is out this week. Didn't know about that. Chris, we haven't really done much on the oh site about God, that. I've done so much Robocop content. If you want to know about the history of, Co of Robocop, if you want 10 things you didn't know about Robocop, if you want interviews with all the cast, review, video review. I'm even running a feature on Monday of weird cartoon spin-offs, misjudged cartoon spin-offs. I like the sound of it. Uh, Rambo, Robocop, Police Academy. Rambo Cop, that would be a good one. Um, have, I, have I filled enough time for you to... Yeah, no, you have. I think I know what's coming out this week now. So on PlayStation 4, we have Outlast, which is um, Ooh, yeah. creepy survival horror. As um, you guys did it in your video thing, right? About the horror not to turn your back on? Yes. So, good? Yes. Looks good. Um, we gave it quite a good review. I think it got an eight point something. Um, and then Fable Trilogy is out as well, uh, which is for the Xbox 316 is all the Fable games. Uh, early next week on the 12th, we have Far Cry Classic and also World of Tanks Xbox 360 edition. You love World of Tanks. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like Alex still wants me to write a feature on it. And <clears throat> Why don't you just do as he says? He's the boss. I know, but it's been too long now. I kind of feel... The moment's passed. I feel it's a point of principle. Right, right. Uh, Robocop's all right. You can read or watch my review on the site. Okay. But what I do recommend... What is another film it? that I gave it 6.9. That's all we care about. Uh, and uh, there's another film coming out this week which I do recommend, and that is Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. Yes. Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto, both of whom might win Oscars next month. Um, it's a very powerful film. Very, very powerful film, and the acting is just unbelievable. It's, it's Whoever thought that Jared Leto would be nominated for an Oscar, ever? He's been quite good in the odd film. Mm. He was in Fight Club, wasn't he? That was, he, he started 
It's 30 seconds from Mars. Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream is terrific yeah. in that. Yeah. Everybody's terrific in that. It's one of those films that you, wa- you watch once and you'd never really want to watch it again, but you should because it's so very well made. Very good. Darren Aronofsky, wasn't it? Aronofsky. Aronofsky. But yeah, check out Dallas Buyers Club hmm? if you can. Can you do Black Swan? Yes. Film knowledge. Luke knew something about a film. I did. Mark the occasion, everybody. Get out of party popper. There you go. And is that it? That's it. It's Thanks for watching. Without poppers. IGN UK feedback at IGN.com. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Cheerio. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.